I'm Tara. And I'm Austin. And we're a married couple. And we are here to lovingly snark on Hallmark's Countdown to Christmas lineup for the 2020 season. And tonight we are going to be watching the Saturday, December 19th release and premiere of A Christmas Carousel. I think it's just Christmas Carousel. It is A Christmas Carousel. A Christmas Carousel. So there might be another one. There are other ones out there in the world. Oh, we had two carousels this season already. So Right. And this is starring Rachel Boston and Neil Bledsoe. And before we begin... We need to do a little plug. So we wanted to make sure that all of our listeners know that we are going to do kind of a uh, post-season award show that's going to drop on January 1st, 2021. And there's a People's Choice Awards for the first annual Snarkies. And so we want to invite you, the, the, our, listener. the listeners, to share your, you know, your thoughts and vote for your favorites. So if you go to our website, hallmarksnark.com, you'll see the Snarkies there. And it'll take you to a form that you can vote on things like best COVID hair, yeah. most snarkable moment, most snarkable movie, and most and, annoyingly good movie. And most <laughs> annoyingly good movie. Because there are some good ones and we want to make sure we nod to those. So we would love it if you participated. And we will be dropping that episode with our co-hosts, Bad Christmas Bingo. You may have played the game. You may have bought the game. If not, you should definitely check them out. They do a little bingo card. It's a box of bingo cards. We bought one um, that we can play along with all of your favorite bad made-for-TV Christmas movies. So It's a lot of fun. They will be joining us. And they are great. They are very snarky. <laughs> on Twitter with us. So um, we'll be promoting this throughout the next two nights of the final nights of the Countdown to Christmas premieres. Um, and so that's on our Twitter as well. It, we've got it on our Instagram. So anywhere where you follow us, you should be able to find that link or you can just go straight to hallmarksnark.com. Awesome. All right. So let's hear a little bit about what tonight's movie is. I've According got the, to the official blurb. According to our official blurb. Leela is hired by the royal family of Encadia to repair a carousel and must work with the prince to complete it by Christmas. All right. So let's make our predictions for tonight's yes. movie then. So we have another carousel movie. Right. So I'm not even making a prediction, but I predict that it will be the same carousel because why else would we have two carousel movies? <laughs> <laughs> um, but my first official prediction is that, of course, the first kiss will happen on this carousel. I mean, it has to, right? So they're going to get on it and they're going to You can't smooch. have a romantic carousel without a kiss happening on that carousel. Exactly. Um, I think that there's going to be some sort of like flashback sequence because this is going to be like a family tied carousel somehow. So we're going to have some flashbacks. Right. And then I think that there will be a badly photoshopped image of the great grandfather with the carousel. So in the blurb, it mentions that this is um, Rachel Boston's character's great grandfather's carousel. And it's in another country and she's going to fix it. And so there'll be some sort of photoshopped image of him that they'll uncover. I think that there's going to be a lot of talk of like a beloved Ancadian holiday treat. Like we got with One Royal Holiday with the Christmas crueler. We're going to have mm -hmm. something like this. And they're going to talk about it all the time like it's the greatest dessert I mean, in it's the just world. going to be, they're going to be known for a it. dessert <laughs> for sure. And then I said they will have to save the carousel in time for Christmas Eve, something or other. So some sort of <laughs> festivity, festival. There's a deadline. If they don't fix it, they lose the land. I don't know. Some sort of deadline on Christmas Eve. And I, my last prediction is a nod to one of our dear listeners um, at Zingo Hallmarko. Um, <laughs> it is that there will be a snow globe that will feature the carousel, whether it's designed or there's like a carousel inside of it, but it's going to be a nod to this carousel. Zingo's been waiting all season for the, yeah, the, so, the uh, snow globe that moment. That one's for you, Zingo. That one's for you. <laughs> all right. 
well, we're going to hunker down. We're going to watch this. We're going to tweet it. We're probably going to come at you after watching it a couple more times. <laughs> and then we will let you know what we thought. All right. Let's queue up the movie for one last Saturday premiere. All right. So we are back from our lovely Rachel Boston premiere tonight. I'm feeling dizzy from going all around that carousel. Or I guess Not yesterday really, night because we are. <laughs> it was. It was. Um, we had to rewatch it again to. That's catch what we always do. Things, Everyone so. knows now we have to watch this more than once because we got to pay attention after the tweeting. That's just yeah, how it goes behind the curtain. So I am here to give you the summary, which for this one is actually quite simple. So let's see how quickly I can do. I this. believe in you, Tara. <laughs> all right. So this movie stars Lila. Rachel Boston plays Lila, and um, Neil Bloodsoe plays plays Whitaker, and he is the prince of Ancadia. And Lila is a teacher back in the United States. Her father restores carousels, and their grandfather, or his her great-grandfather, um, is known for his carousels that he built, and then they are doing a carousel restoration service. Simultaneously to all of the events of this story, Lila is considering a career change. She's a teacher, but she would really love the coveted program director position related to the arts in her school. And so she's thinking about, does she want to do that, or does she not want to do that? But as she's Pondering that, they get a call from Ancadia and the carousel needs to be restored. They have a carousel there that Lila's great grandfather put there as a Christmas carousel many, many decades before it is in disrepair. And the prince or the king of Ancadia would like to have it restored to give it to Princess Maya by Christmas Eve so that she can enjoy this gift. So they pack it up, they go to Ancadia, and they start to look into what it's going to take to restore this carousel. Immediately upon looking at the carousel, they find the prince there. He's done a lot of the restoration work himself on the exterior but Lila doesn't know that he's the prince so they have a meet cute where she kind of negs on the prince a little bit for being a ladies man he tongue-in-cheek um, replies to that and then they go about their merry ways and Lila goes up to the castle to have her official meeting with the prince where she realized that the man that she saw in the carousel is actually Prince Wit. His name is Whitaker, but they call him Whit. So they are working on restoring the carousel. They are talking with him. Um, he has a lady friend named Margaret, who is just his friend. And he reveals that people call him a playboy because he has many female friends. But in fact, he is just friends with them. He's not really interested in marrying because that means that he has to become the king. And that's a big change. And he has to change who he is because who he really is, is he wants to be involved in the arts. That's why he's restoring the carousel. That is his passion. So he and Lila decide to take on the project of doing some Christmas festival surprises. So they start planning those together. Lila's going to work on the carousel in the mornings, go plan with him in the afternoons, and then come back and do what's needed because she apparently likes to really stretch herself thin while working on her holiday trip to a foreign country rather than seeing any sort of sights at all. So they start working together. They plan events. They put children's artwork up. There's tree lightings at the castle, all of the Christmas things you expect in a holiday movie. They get to talking to each other and they have a little bit of a misunderstanding when they try to reveal their feelings for each other on a balcony one evening that he would like to be more than friends with her, that she's the first person that he might be considering that with. But she hears it as he just wants to be friends with her. She says she feels the same. And they both leave that conversation a little bit disappointed. Wit realizes that it's time for him to kind of shape up and maybe thinking about being the king. So he's going to take his lady friend Margaret to the ball and probably maybe propose to her because he's just got to kind of move on and grow up a little bit. And whether or not he actually is planning to do this, I'm not quite sure we can we can discuss that. But um, 
Lila hears wind of that. So she thinks she's really lost her opportunity. So they finish making the carousel. They prepare for the gala where um, Princess Maya is going to sing Coventry Carol um, at the last minute for a crowd of people. And she's able to sing that. They're thinking about some of the traditions of the city. And Lila decides that it is time for her to go home because she no longer has a place here. They've done their job. Exit stage left. So she gets in the car and leaves. Prince Wit realizes that he's made a huge mistake and that he's let her go and that he really does have feelings for her. So he goes and wishes on the wishing horse on the carousel. Every carousel has a horse that if you get on it and ride around the carousel three times and make a wish, your wish will come true. So he rides the horse. He makes a wish. Simultaneously, Lila's in the car. She thinks about the necklace that Wit gave her and realizes she needs to follow her heart and tell him how she feels. So she comes back to the ball right as he's coming back from the carousel. They reveal their feelings for each other. And then they walk down to show the carousel to Princess Maya together, at which point they kiss, they get on the carousel, everyone rides the carousel together, Maya is happy, and they lived happily ever after. The end. A Christmas carousel brought to you by Tara Gold. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about which of the predictions we got right and which we got wrong. And I think we'll find we got many wrong. This is probably the worst we've done of the season. Uh, (laughs) Um, We actually had the writer of the movie tweet at us um, (laughs) and was was saying that they had originally scripted the, the final kiss, which we had predicted would be on the carousel. She said that that was originally on the carousel, but that they moved it to be off. And the second kiss was on the carousel. Right. So um, we learned that we, if we had looked at the original script, we would have been right. But according to our predictions in the actual movie, we were wrong. And I do feel like we might get a half of a point for the holiday treat because apparently, and Katie is known for its Christmas scones. Right. Mentioned only once <laughs> and in one scene. So I don't know that it was really... At the heart, but but we're going to count it because it was mentioned. And it's and, Christmas. Why and not? they had a special <laughs> ingredient or whatever. Um, otherwise, there was no badly photoshopped image of a great grandfather. No flashbacks. There was no, um, well, they were trying to save the carousel in time for Christmas Eve to give it to Maya. So there was a okay. deadline of if we don't finish it, then she won't be able to get it on Christmas. And then what's the point? Okay. So but it wasn't for like a festival or an event or something like okay, that. Okay. So we're up to like a full point then. Cause we kind <laughs> of, we got half of these. Yeah. Are we good with that? Yeah. So, and then we did not get a snow globe. I'm yeah. sorry, Zingo. Apologies to Zingo. There was no snow globe. All right. Well, now that we've done our predictions, let's talk about our sparks. Like what did we like about this movie? Well, I think one of my favorite things is Rachel Boston in general. Like, let's start there. We love Rachel Boston. Um, She was in Check Into Christmas last year, which we enjoyed in Christmas One of our favorites. Yeah. The one where they do the little dance number for a high school reunion or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not a Hallmark movie. It was on some other channel. But we've seen a couple movies we've really enjoyed her in. This was a less comedic Rachel Boston. Right. But she still had that little comedic spark. It, It gave her, like, the whimsy. And I really... Yeah, I just I like watching her in any movie. And I think, you know, Terry, you pointed this out, which is like she's not just good in the moment when she's on and the camera's focused on her. It's all those like little side moments where she looks at a character. So it's all this like passive acting Mm -hmm. that makes you buy in like the chemistry that she has with the characters in the scene. She's very present and engaged. Whenever she was talking to the prince, she does look at him a lot like side eye like kind of always glancing at him. And so I think that's part of what makes that chemistry feel believable or as believable as you're going to get in these kinds of movies. I mean, it's still kind of a low bar, but (laughs) she does really well with it. Absolutely. And I think um, 
in general, this movie, the leads were really good in this movie. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, sometimes you rely on your supporting characters and their acting and their fun. But really, the leads carry this movie really well. Um, I also really appreciated the pacing of the conflict in this movie. It came like in the middle, which is so rare. And it felt realistic in the way that it unfolded, because essentially he's known for being a playboy. But it's really just that he's not ready to be king because he doesn't want to give up his identity yet. Mm -hmm. And so he's just has really good friends Mm -hmm. and he's about to tell her, but I feel differently about you, but she misunderstands that and hears it as, so I'm telling you, let's just be friends. And she understands her place. And the way that she reveals that misunderstanding is saying, I feel the same way you do, which she thinks that she's kind of saying that she has feelings for him, but then he keeps talking about friends and then she's like, they start, she starts to doubt and he's like, Oh, he hears that as, Oh, friends. And, then she hears it as, oh, friends. It's like, it makes sense because they're using some coded language mm-hmm. and he's trying to build up to a reveal, but he doesn't necessarily do it that well. So it the the you see where it sounds like it's going to be this really positive conversation where feelings are revealed, but then it kind of <laughs> takes this turn and you can see that on both of their faces, like, oh, oh, we're just friends. <laughs> right. Like they didn't, I, neither one wanted to disappoint the other. And so like you felt like, oh, they they like each other. So it was also the earliest cue of them actually like digging each other mm-hmm. in a positive way. Um, and I, so I just I really appreciated not waiting to do everything until the last 15 minutes. I always think that that makes for a more realistic story. Right. And she's like, we're just going to be friends and and that's fine. And we'll maintain that level of a relationship. But then, of course, throughout the remaining scenes, he keeps kind of doing things that are maybe slightly more than friend things. And that hope still stays alive. Um, I also think that carousels to me have always been kind of a disappointment. Like they are beautiful things. And I don't think I've really appreciated or liked a carousel since I was little, like little, little. But this movie actually kind of like made me pretend for a moment that carousels <laughs> can be more magical than they actually are right like, and i so like I seeing into them it. fix it and the way they were building the legs yeah. and painting them and and that stuff i i still don't believe that they did it as quickly as they did with just the two of them well and also for like half the movie they're not even working on it right. but that aside maybe they wished on it and it came thought that they might like head the project but have a crew doing a lot more of the legwork but or be there for longer that feels like it would be like a year-long project, right. not a week-long project. Right. But it did look really beautiful, and it made me appreciate the work that would go into such a thing. And, you know, I always have a soft spot for royalty-based movies for Christmas. So that's also <laughs> a spark of mine is like, yeah, throw me a royal plotline. It may not be in my top, but I always appreciate that because that's fun. For me, it's a different setting. We get so many of these movies in these little small towns, and I'm pretty sure it's like the same small towns that are being used for a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And so just being in a different setting, having a different type of backdrop is really nice. And then what about, I think also like it was nice that the dad and the... Um, <gasps> yes, the dad and Heidi, yeah. they were some of my favorite. It wasn't like an overt love story, but it was definitely there. They're both widowed or widower, widowers and um, they're just, you know, connecting. No kiss, no big like sweeping declaration, but they're clearly into each other. And I think that's what I like is like it was subtle. I like subtlety and I think this movie played subtlety well. Right. But I do wonder where this carousel restoration business is going to go once dad moves to India. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's now the royal caretaker of the carousel. Of that one carousel And I imagine Ancadia can afford whatever he was making 
previously. Well, it's probably time for him to retire, but it's just like now, like Rachel Boston's not taking back over that carousel business. So yeah. I'm kind of sad that what's going to happen to all gonna... their great grandfather and grandfather's yeah, carousels. He's just going to be with the one, but but I hope he does move there yeah. to be with his lady friend. So I think that kind of wraps up our sparks for this movie. So as Ooh. you know, it's Unleash time. The snarks. <laughs> it's time for snarks. Okay. So uh, our, our snarks really fell into a couple of key categories yes. here. So we're going to start by talking about the the setting itself. Yeah. So let's talk about interior and exterior of this of This, this palace in Ancadia. Okay. <laughs> um, this is clearly... A hotel. Yeah. I, I, they do this <laughs> shot. So so just to give you kind of the visual here, there's this giant, massive block of a building that's this palace. And it looks palatial-ish. Yeah. Um, it's on a hill. And it's a snowy, covered, like, mountainy hill, rolling hills. I don't know what you would call it. And then down this giant hill from the castle is the the carousel. And let's pause here for just a moment. Because... I was led to believe at the beginning of this movie that this carousel was like on the main grounds. Right. But the way they have this shot where up in this hill, miles away is the castle. And then there's this carousel just like engulfed in snow, no roads leading in or out. How do they get there? Right. So is she walking down there every day? Because at the when they're at the party at the end, the, the prince runs out to go ride on the carousel horse to make his wish for her to come back. And it's kind of implied that he's just running out there. Right. But if you look at this hill, that's going to be a freaking workout in the snow for him to run down that hill and get on the carousel. So he must get in a car and ride down there because that's too it, long. It's too long. Of a walk. It looks like a very treacherous walk. Right. And too. maybe we're missing the, the road that's just like, oh, it's really just a two minute drive. But it looks like it is miles away and that you have to have like your your snow skis on to get there. <laughs> and it's like clearly CGI'd into the to the shot or like photoshopped into the the shot. But also as we look at this outside palatial hotel. It is a hotel. It yeah. is a hotel. Because like Tara pointed out, there's just like symmetry of all the windows, which are clearly all the key carded rooms for all the hotel guests. Right. Because I'm just looking at it thinking <laughs> Why does the Prince of Ancadia need that massive? Because it's actually kind of got like a front part and a back part. Like there's two castle mm -hmm. sections and they're just so big Yep. for what you think that even, I mean, what's in all of those little tiny rooms? I get it if it's big because you've got a big ballroom or you have a giant library or like those big giant first floor rooms. But what are those like? second through 10th floors <laughs> it's for all the guests Who's of Acadia there? and they're clearly like individual floors with normal heighted floors and so it's just like what are they doing with like we were talking like hundreds of rooms well and I just there. have to say like I saw the Galwickian castle and it was much smaller than this so like <laughs> is Ancadia just that much bigger of a country I guess so and then that's a bigger deal that he's going to be the king but notably absent from the exterior of this hotel was a balcony that looks anything like the balcony that they stood on for their um, miscommunication conversation. This was such an amazing scene because you're right. There's not a balcony. We see a tiny one, but it's alluded that that's off of Princess Maya's. Well, and that one is more of like one of those ones that juts out yeah. with like the railings all around. This one was clearly like like a longer balcony. It felt like in inset. Aladdin, yeah, like where Princess Jasmine in Aladdin, Aladdin comes up on the flying carpet. It felt like that, like that size and scale for any of our mm -hmm. Disney fans out there. 
because it was massive. Mm-hmm. And not only was it massive, it was hilarious what the view was from it. So they're out there. <laughs> it's this beautiful, uh, glowing lit scene that looks like a desktop Christmas screensaver. Yeah, Austin like, was like, I think I have that on my desktop. Right. And it's like, I mean, I think even Rachel Boston tweeted, it's like, that's definitely Ancadia down there that they're looking <laughs> on. I mean, it's it's so bad in yeah. terms of like the the color saturation levels. And so it kind of takes you out of this moment, but that's okay because this moment's a letdown. He basically takes her onto this balcony with champagne, mm. looking at this green screen thing. And it's like, let's just be friends. A toast to that. And she's like, okay. <laughs> um, I actually knew it was a palace though from the interior shots or not a palace. I knew that it was a hotel from right. the interior shots because I only picked up on the exteriors on the second watch because they're so brief. But even when they're walking through, I was like, this just feels like a hotel lobby. It doesn't feel like a palace. I mean, I guess there's some similarities because you have the like marble floors and the big cavernous rooms, but it looked like it just had seating like a lobby would have. And fun fact, I looked it up because I was very curious to know, like, where is this carousel? Where is this palace quote unquote and it is it's a luxury hotel in canada and so <laughs> what's the hotel do you remember the it name is it? the fairmont chateau larel hotel is I'm, it the chateau it is not the christmas chateau <laughs> <laughs> it is nicer than that one. Oh, not a good job on hiding the the hoteliness of the setting yeah um a big kicker for me too is there's a scene kind of three quarters of the way through the movie where they're <laughs> in a room they're talking to the king and it's a it's a big you know it's a hotel room of some sort uh, not a hotel room but like a like a ballroom or like a meeting room or whatever um and all the photos are the the drawn the portraits. portraits from the kingdom are on these like portrait stands they're on easels easels all the way around the room cuz you can see where there's not any space on the wall to put these yeah. these portraits and that to me was just like okay so we rented this room for this scene we can't (laughs) install things or put holes on the walls or the walls do not lend themselves to these portraits they're not big enough with all the like molding and things that are on them and so we just put them around the room on easels it was such an awkward looking room it was weird because it felt like the room yeah it just it felt so temporary and like this is our traveling museum that goes between the different rooms of our castle (laughs) right and it it was cluttering the room it was a weird way to do it clearly not how and they had those like hogwarts colored flags like hanging off of like pipe and drape paint like the colors (laughs) for this kingdom are like maroon and goldenrod and it looked like Harry Potter colors, especially because <laughs> they were on these like banners and things. Yeah. It, it was like, am I at Hogwarts? That makes yeah. a little more sense. It, it was definitely, I did not ever feel like I was in a palace when I was watching this. I definitely, I felt like it was a luxury hotel. It was a hotel that I would be very happy and impressed to stay with, but it did not feel like a palace. It definitely didn't. I wish that they had rented like armor, you know, like those like oh, yeah. knights, because if they had just like had some of that. That's what you or, have in a, it's like, what is it that makes a castle a castle or a palace need, a palace? You need a over suit a of hotel. armor on a model, just like in a couple of shots. And then I would have been like, oh, it is a palace. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Royalty have lived here for centuries. <laughs> right. Speaking of, though, the way things look, right? We had some critiques on the interior and exterior of the castle and yes. the town. Um, but we also had some critiques on outfits for yeah. these fine folks. Uh, so let's start. Let's start with Rachel Boston's outfits. Yes. So she's traveling from America to Encadia. And so Terry, you pointed out this your, out. Yeah. Dear listener, put yourself in this this mind state. Right. You are a teacher. 
you are whatever kind of teacher she is. An art you teacher. find out at the last minute that you are being called to Ancadia to help your father restore a carousel for like a week before Christmas mm-hmm. or two weeks or however long it is that they have. So you're packing for this trip. What do you pack to well, sand it- horses, paint things, drill things, assemble things in the cold? Um, I would pack overalls. Yeah. And warm button up shirts and pants. And I would say that would be the case for most. What would you actually pack if you are Lila um, is like eight different beautiful dresses, (laughs) a different pair of shoes for every one of those outfits, multiple coats, a ballroom gown, which granted she may have bought when she was there for the ball. Um, And then... What no uh, no and work clothes no work clothes I like I like maybe one time she was in like what I would call work clothes but it was you know this is a thing this is a trope in all of these Hallmark movies which is the women always have all of these clothes that it's not realistic that they would have been able to pack but this one more than ever because she the, has what she was so going many to work different on. little hats with the balls on the top they're all different colors yeah it's lots of below the knee a line dresses yeah. Yeah, it, it's just this movie in particular was like the the clothes that she ended up wearing are not even on alignment with the industry that she works in. Like, I, it's believable when one of our leads is going, you know, from New York to a small town, New England, mm-hmm. and they are bringing nice outfits. But this was like ball gown level outfits. Right. It was just odd. Well, because if I had brought all my clothes to restore the carousel and then found out that I was actually spending more time in the palace and I needed to look nice. And I had one nice dress with me or two nice dresses with me um, where I ended up having to buy one or two and I was there to, to be appropriate. I would just be wearing those same dresses more often. Or I feel like there should have been a scene that's like, here's the, you know, the Christmas market ball gown store. Like it could have been a really nice like <laughs> shopping go scene. go buy my ball gown. Yeah. <laughs> I, and again, I can buy that maybe she did end up buying the ball gown there. Or she borrowed it from somebody. But, but those dresses. even beyond that, she's spending a lot of her money to buy outfits or she's packing all of that with her. Right. It's just an interesting choice. Because even her dad was like, well, I'm glad I think I think I brought a tie is what he said. So it's like even his mind, he didn't really pack, even he though he has a nice work. suit. But it was just like, yeah, they're there to do manual labor yeah artistic and, manual labor and and one last snark and it kind of goes with her outfit so i'll kind of put it in this category at one point um prince wit gives her a necklace and he he offers it to her and of course now that we've talked to some of our hallmark friends online i know that i want to say every kiss begins with k, k. whenever he <laughs> whenever anybody opens a jewelry box because they're all k jeweler's jewelry but he takes it out and he puts it on her from the front yes instead of having her turn around to clasp it on her back he stands in front of her face to face and reaches (laughs) around her back to clasp this necklace so that like his chest is like basically up in her face it's the most awkward way to put on a necklace it's a beautiful necklace um but such a strange way to put it on someone and i was a little confused about this necklace now that we're talking about it so one they're at a Christmas market, surprise. And she goes, oh, this is such the perfect necklace for Christmas. And he's like, oh, it's yours. And she's like, no, I can't. He's like, I insist. And then later he gives that same necklace that she pointed out at the Christmas market. And I didn't understand. I thought she had already gotten it from him. <laughs> he held so it she and was then a gave surprise. it to her. And then also I was disappointed because, you know, we have snarked on uh, the Christmas ring and I felt like this was a box that needed a light to focus on that necklace. Yeah, every box from now on needs the light. <laughs> so 
Uh, yeah, it was just odd. So I, I must have missed a plot point in the two times that I watched this movie. But um, <laughs> why is she surprised that she's getting this necklace when he already told her she was going to get it? So. But I also think you found Wit's outfits to be a oh, little snarkable yeah, so in a couple points. Let's talk about Wit's outfit. So we meet Wit at the carousel. We don't know he's the prince yet, or at least Rachel Boston's character doesn't. And he has on a bandana that you're like, okay, he's painting. Except he never takes it off. He's got it around his neck like an ascot, and he wears it like an ascot through most of the he movie. He looks like he should be um, conducting a choo-choo train, like the way yes, that he's wearing it, I, it. He needs a little conductor's hat. It's blue. <laughs> it's not like the red ones like you would normally see, right. but it, it's blue, but it's the same kind of way, just so you can visualize, yeah, dear you listener, do need to visualize what it, it looks like. Because, um, you know, a running thread is he's not ready to become king yet, not because he doesn't want to be king, but because he doesn't want to lose his identity his artistic comedic self and so he's really held off on doing that but as we progress through the movie and as he's getting ready to ascend to being the king the ascot also gets more professional looking and it turns into a pocket square he's <laughs> got this like blue paisley pocket square it looks just like his it's bandana like, is that a knot did some did some costume director somewhere i think they were so clever um and then my last like costumey thing with him that I, I really struggled with both times that I watched this movie was so he has um, at the Christmas Eve gala he's wearing his full regalia and it is his princely outfit and I did find out that this was a rented prince outfit which might explain <laughs> rent some a of the prince <laughs> but it was so ill-fitting on him like he needed like shoulder pads that were so slumpy and concave. It looked like it was 100% wool. It was a higher quality than one royal holiday prince's outfit. So I was appreciative right. of that. But it's like his shoulders were just sagging off to his sides. And I kept being like, get a tailor, buddy. You are the prince. <laughs> like someone in the costume department, pin this up. Put in some stuff so his shoulders don't look so slumpy. Right. I mean, even his dad looked good compared to him. So I just, I struggled with the quality and fit. Uh, of our prince outfits this season and i would buy that he had lost some weight except for that in another scene his suit jacket was so ill-fitting it was so it looked tight. like he was stuffed into it and it was barely buttoned <laughs> that i was like no we just don't know how to buy this man clothes we don't we're yeah. borrowing from the existing hallmark costume catalog or renting things exactly. i don't know something went a little bit wrong on some of his wardrobe choices yes so Okay, I think that kind of wraps up our outfits. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the other big snarks that we have to talk about in this movie is the Coventry Carol. <laughs> yes. So I didn't realize that Austin did not know the song Coventry Carol. I Because I was, we were tweeting about it. And so if you don't know Coventry Carol, I go, I would say, go look it up. Go listen to a version of it. Pause this podcast. Go listen. There's a Pentatonics version. There's a really scary Annie Lennox version <laughs> that we listened to um, to kind of catch it. But I had always heard Coventry Carol as a kid. I don't even know if it was necessarily at church, though it is more of an eerie, minor corded, like creepy mm -hmm. Christmas carol. It definitely feels like you would hear it on a cold winter night when something ominous is about to happen. And um, I don't think I'd ever really paid attention to the lyrics before. Right. And Austin had never heard it to begin with. So they were like, what is this Christmas carol that we're singing? It's supposed to be like the main Christmas carol of the, of Ancadia. It's like their history. Like right, it's because, a, so this guy, um, the du Duke Sterling has this manner that 
the, the prince wants because he wants to turn it into an art school for Ancadia, make it the Royal Academy of Art for Ancadia. And he feels like the way to close that deal is to help him remember what this like childhood carol was that he would sing with his family. And it was a tradition, but he couldn't remember the name of it. So they go through these quote unquote hand handwritten <laughs> books that were clearly typography <laughs> uh, and they find the Coventry Carol. And so then when it's sung, the man knows exactly all the words and helps Maya sing it because she loses her ability to sing it in the middle. And so anyway, it, there's a lot of confusion around it. But I had to go Google this song. Because well, on Twitter, people are like, what is this song? I was like, it's Coventry Carol. Like, I can get that I hadn't really heard the lyrics much, but definitely the tune is one that I'd heard a lot. And so you realize that there's just Christmas songs out there that people People have, don't know. And I mean, I'm, I, I'm one of them. So, I think I was seven before I ever heard Silent Night for the first time. So that's, you know. And, and if you didn't hear it, you heard it 30 times this season. Right. So no worries there. So I looked up this song because I was very curious. And so it's about killing babies. Yes. Because <laughs> this was like a 1300s song and it was part of a play about um, Jesus's birth and having to get Joseph and Mary out of the murder of the innocents. Right. And so it's it's about warning about King Harold um, wanting to kill Herod. all of the children. Herod, excuse me, not Harold. Who's Harold? <laughs> <laughs> King Herod. <laughs> um. Thank you, Tara. <laughs> so anyway, but it's a song about killing babies. And it literally says in some of the the verses, like they're going to kill the baby. Not right. not in those exact like, words, but it's very clear that that's what like, it's about. Slavey, I think, is the word that they use. <laughs> yes. Um, but so the question is, why is this Duke singing this song with his family at Christmas? Yeah, of all the songs to pick, I don't know. Again, it's it's like people dancing to songs for their first dance at their wedding that are actually about really terrible breakups or something, but they only listen to the chorus mm -hmm. or they only listen to the tune and they think it's beautiful and they don't really listen to the whole thing. That's kind of what this felt like. Like, let's have this be our main song and let's, let's have this be a big to do. And I was like, this is a really tragic and sad and haunting minor keyed song to pick for this. And, and it's because it's not as well known. So Maya had been planning to sing at this Christmas gala, mm -hmm. and she was going to sing "We Wish You a Merry Christmas," a song most it's a very people happy, know. good gala song, good party party and, song. And she shared that she had been practicing for weeks to get it perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, surprise, surprise! The day before, when they discover this song, she gets peer pressured <laughs> by her big brother mm -hmm. and her big brother's soon-to-be fiance girlfriend. Yep. That she should not sing the song she's practiced so hard on, but sing this one. And not because, like, it would be good for her, but because it'd be good for them so they could secure that manner. And I was like, why are you pressuring this little girl to sing this song? Poor kid. And then and she stumbles. Luckily, the Duke helped her. But Can we also talk about this child actress who played Maya with yeah. all due respect to child actresses everywhere? I know that I, yeah, I, I don't want to, like, harp too much on a child, but her acting was not... It started a off a bright moment in this. Dear listeners, it started off when we meet the king and he's about to go sit on his big thinking chair, the, the throne. Mm -hmm. And uh, Maya frolics in, like literally skipping, going, fa la 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 la. Oh, father. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, and then she skips out being like, fa la 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 la. It was so weird and bad. And then she also has. So Christmas in Vienna introduced us to weird accents for kids. Yes. And um, the Christmas Waltz introduced us to how to, like, give people permission to have different accents than where their character is supposed right. to be. 
had the writers of this movie right listened to the Christmas waltz, they could have explained how this girl could not have an English accent because she should not have had an she English accent. She didn't do a very good British accent. I mean, she did good for like she's better than any twelve year old I would have known. And, you know, give her credit. I think it's the writers and the directors that are really at fault here. Yeah for probably not giving enough time for this accent to sound reasonable and for not just coming up with a way to just have her speak in an American accent and be the same kid, but right, like, not sound so She awkward. could have attended boarding school in America for a few years, right. whatever. Well, and I actually think she wasn't his sister. She was his niece. Oh, you're right. Because you're right. she, her parents were somewhere else they mentioned at some point. And so just say that her mom was American. That's right. Or that her mom, you know went to boarding school in America. And you have some way to explain that away. Because or it, just don't say it at all. Just yeah. let her speak in an American accent. Because yeah, it definitely pulled me out because I felt like she was even like self-conscious of it. Mm-hmm. Like I felt that in her acting. Mm-hmm. And and that may not be, but that's what was portrayed. Yeah. So um, always love kids being involved in movies, but I feel like this one was set up to not be a successful. So right. baby snarks, Tara, what other little baby snarks do we have about this movie? Where's the prince's security detail? He goes to a cafe at some point with her and they are just in that cafe. They're drinking coffee. They're planning stuff for this, <laughs> this events around the, not, it's not around the carousel. I guess they it's around it the They spend it all Duke. on the luxury hotel, I mean, castle. Whereas Galwick <laughs> has a smaller castle. He gets a security detail. Right. Well, and they're, but they're just like, they're just hanging out and he's the prince of freaking Ancadia just chilling in the coffee shop. I also feel like we talked about scenery, but I forgot to mention the Royal Cottage. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, uh Lila and her father are invited to stay as guests at the Royal Cottage. This is just a normal two-story house, y'all. There was nothing royal or cottagey about it at all. And I was just like, why are we calling this a cottage? Is it just that's what sounds more it royal? It's like a regular house. And then I think we need to talk about the end because yes, that's just that's kind exactly of like a series of say. baby snarks back to back to back. Yes. So, so at the end, <laughs> after we've done the Coventry Carol, because that's also kind of at the end when mm-hmm. she sings that. And then Lila leaves and she's in the car and Wit is calling her repeatedly, trying to get her to come back. And she's like, he made his choice. Because he's he going to get Margaret. engaged to Margaret. Oh, Margaret. Yes. So we didn't mention that Margaret, they had a little conversation just before this where, you know, he's thinking about maybe proposing to Margaret to just kind of get this whole marriage thing over with. And right. they both kind of reveal to each other. He's like, I don't have feelings for you. And Margaret's like, oh, good. I don't have feelings for you either. It's so polite <laughs> and lovely. And I wanted Margaret to say that she had feelings for Lila. That was what I was hoping for. And they get into a love triangle and that Margaret's a lesbian and that they're all going to run off together. Because Hallmark, we do want a lesbian romance. Yeah. Like you've got, you've given us gay men. Now give us lesbians. But we don't know who Margaret was in love with. But she's not in love with Wit. So no. Wit is like, oh, I need to follow my my real right. heart. And Lila's it. So he know, he's learned that Lila has left. She's in the car on the way to the airport to fly back home. And he goes to his father and he's like, I don't know what to do. And then he's like, Waha, I have thought of it. And then he runs outside and you think he's going to get in a car. But no, dear listeners, he gets on the wishing horse at the carousel. <laughs> and we see him ride this carousel and he goes, one as you can't all the way around he's just like very diligently looking forward just counting his revelations one because he can't make the wish until the third rotation yeah so these wishing horses so the grandfather or the great-grandfather makes a wishing horse on every carousel and you ride it around three times and then you get to make the wish so this kind of brought about our question of do people know this 
Does like, do everyone people, know this? Is right. this part of the lore with the carousels? Is it a secret? What right. if people don't fall? Because I thought he was just going to make the wish. And I was like, no, you have to go around three <laughs> times. But he went around three times. So does everyone know that you have to go around three times? I mean, does, like, I think there needs to be a plaque that's like, this is the wishing horse. You must wait for the third one. Or they're trying not to tell because they don't want that many people to, like, get their wishes. But I do feel like carousels need a, a modern draw. And if it was a wishing horse, get, then that would bring in well, more then people. then you get people waiting, you know, like at Disney World where you have the line that's longer to get on the front <laughs> car and the back yeah. car. You'd have, like, the line to get on the carousel and then the line to get on the wishing horse. <laughs> and it would be a very long because only one person can go on the wishing horse at a time. Right. That's true. So he doesn't use his royal authority to shut the airport down mm-hmm. or do anything. He gets on a carousel and waits three rotations to make a wish that she'll return. And like, okay, that's cute. It's a, it's a nod. It's full circle. haha. But how is he going to lead this country? Is that the way is that he, gonna he like makes lead? decisions? <laughs> is he going to be like, should... You know, we really need to bring in more business to support Encadia. Get Excuse out the me. tea leaves. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm going to go hop on my wishing horse Let and wish for more my business. Car- my horoscope. <laughs> oh, we can't make deals with the Bishop of Anchovy because he's a Capricorn. <laughs> the Bishop of Anchovy? <laughs> <laughs> he's a Capricorn. You can't do work with Capricorns. So, yeah. Um, and then we didn't get the kiss on the carousel, like we said, but we did get it at the end. So they kiss carousel adjacent and then everyone <laughs> gets on the carousel. And we found out that this was history, y'all, that it's the longest kiss. Now, it may not have been the longest kiss in the movie, but in order to get this shot. So they're standing on the edge of the carousel kissing as the carousel, the carousel doesn't have an edge. It's a circle. This still has an edge. <laughs> I was like, um, <laughs> they're pretty, standing pretty... on the outside of the carousel very awkwardly. <laughs> Just think. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. The circumference. They're standing on the <laughs> circumference of the <laughs> standing carousel. on the circumference. Okay, so they're standing on the outer band of the carousel. <laughs> the edge is the edge. <laughs> okay, okay, thank you. So they're standing on the edge, and it's rotating around, and they're kissed. But in order to get the shot, they had to like be lip lock for a very long time during COVID. <laughs> during COVID, to get this shot, and so we found out this is the longest kiss in Hallmark history. Yeah. So So they kissed on the carousel and that was the final shot was the kiss on the carousel. We zoomed out from there. So, but before that, um, the last, I don't know, this is my last snark on the ending scene. Um, She had no coat on (gasps) for a woman that had all those coats and they run down from the party. She's got the like, she's got this beautiful red dress on. She's got this white shawl thing. It's quite large. Mm -hmm. And the little girl, Maya also has a dress with like a little like, capelet thing Mm -hmm. or whatever she's got enough coverage on it but you can see their breath it's snow there's snow everywhere it's actively snowing too actively snowing cgi snow and rachel boston lila is just standing there in this red ball ground with little spaghetti straps and doesn't even pull up her little thing it was i was like she looks cold down that hill in the cold with whatever maybe it's stupid maybe it's a ballroom carousel a heated <laughs> well then how was her breath showing because she very clearly had a puff of yeah of breath so it's like just pull your shawl up over your shoulders right it, it was a moment it, of... it was so cold and <laughs> i felt cold on the couch and it was a balmy 68 degrees in our house well and that's the real answer is that they're filming all of these in the middle of summer and so right. nobody's really necessarily thinking about that but so i'm not actually worried for rachel boston rachel boston i know you were taking care but of i was worried for lila 
But I was worried for Lila. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> the distinction that I would make there. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our snarks. Mm-hmm. So let's move into title review. Okay. Okay. So Tara, what are your thoughts on the title? Well, this movie definitely deserves the Christmas Carousel title better than Christmas Comes Twice. So I understand why they gave Christmas Carousel to this one and not that one, because it was very much about Mm -hmm. the carousel. However, in the spirit of always renaming these movies, um, it does not deserve a Christmas Prince or Royal Christmas or any of those. Right. Because there are plenty of those movies out there. So instead, we need to go with a punny title. Okay. We have Around, <laughs> as we <laughs> as I used in the last one, Around Five Years Ago <laughs> for Christmas Comes Twice. Well, this one can be Around Cadia. <laughs> around Cadia at Christmas. Or I would just do Christmas in Cadia. Yeah. I mean, keep it simple. Or Christmas Around Cadia. <laughs> I was going to say The Wishing Horse would be a really good name for this movie. And look, I didn't even add Christmas in like I normally do. Right. And that is one thing I wish they would do is just not make everything have this forced Christmas in Mm -hmm. the title. I mean, that's what I liked about Holly and Ivy. It kind of stands out. You don't have to have the Christmas bow, the Christmas ring. It's because Holly and Ivy are like known Christmas items. I know, but you can you can nod to Christmas without having Christmas in every (laughs) movie. And The Wishing Horse. Mm Is not even specifically Christmas, but I think you could clearly make it known mm-hmm. that that, I mean, Home Alone, there's nothing Christmas in that, but we all know that's a Christmas movie. That's Love true. actually doesn't have Christmas in it, but we know that's a Christmas movie. Okay. So you have a, The Wishing Horse. I have Christmas Around and Cadia. <laughs> um, <laughs> listeners, you can tell us whose, whose title is better. <laughs> Um, I don't know if we need the listeners to tell us, Tara. I think we both know. The Around Ancadia. <laughs> around Ancadia. Uh, yeah. No. At we, Christmas. At Christmas. Um, Bells are ringing. <laughs> here comes baby. <laughs> around Ancadia. <laughs> um, will this love last? And I, we have two loves I think we need to look at. We need to look at Lila and Whitaker. Mm-hmm. And then we need to look at the dad and Heidi. Mm-hmm. I think dad and Heidi are more likely to last I agree. because they are, they know what they want and they've both been through long-term relationships. I do not think that the Lila Witt relationship has staying power beyond like a year or two. I don't think they're going to end up together forever. Really? I think they're going to be together forever. They're going to have little royal babies. She's going to be running the Royal Art Academy for Acadia. Um, whether she's happy or not in her marriage, that's like a title. How do you go from that to program director? Like you, that's like a step down. <laughs> so like, I think she's going to stay just for the job. Yeah. I mean, again, I think they'll be happy for a while, but I just, I don't know that they have that full on spark of a forever love connection. I think it feels that way because it's Christmas and there's a carousel and we all know that a carousel, if nothing else can make you fall in love, a carousel will do it. Yep. But, um, you know, they might, they, they, they just seem to me like a couple that would date for a while and then be like, oh, I really want to be back in America and I don't really want to stay here. And this isn't the life for me. He does seem like the kind of man who would say, you should smile more. <laughs> and so I do feel like Lila wouldn't appreciate that long term. And as if every like made for TV royal Christmas movie has taught us in episode two or, you know, in the in the next one. Um, she's going to have a hard time dealing with royal protocols. Mm-hmm. 
And um, you know, this this one nodded to royal protocols. That's why he didn't want to become the king. So I do think there is a chance for them to lose love. But like every other movie has taught me, they'll be fine. And it would work if he says, F it, I'm going to America with Lila. I don't actually want to do this. Hand the kingdom off to my brother or whatever. Or but to Maya. I don't think you can do that when you're first in line for the crown. Yeah, probably Like not. Harry and, and Meghan can do that, but Will and Kate can't. It's just not an option. <laughs> who's who's Kate? Kate. What's and, her name? And Will. You mean Wit and Lila? No, I mean in in the Prince oh, of England. Oh, you're talking of about England. real life. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, those aren't the characters' names. Yeah, yeah you're talking about real people. Real oh, yeah. people. <laughs> real like, royals. Did I get it wrong? <laughs> Their names are Will and Kate, right? <laughs> okay. I'm confused. Will and Kate have to stay in you're London. Right. They do. But Harry and Meghan, they're in America now. They don't they need that. Out. They're not about that life. All right. Final question for our final Saturday premiere of the season. <gasps> When would you watch this movie? Uh, well, okay. So I learned some new things about, or some new insights into Ooh. how Hallmark does their lineup a little bit. Um, I don't remember where I got this from, if it was from another podcast or what. Um, the, it's all about advertising. I think it might have been the Deck the Hallmark guys. We're talking about this. Mm -hmm. It's all about advertising. And so you have, once it comes this point in December, there's nothing left to sell you. Mm-hmm. And so this is not going to be the big advertisers. These are not going to be the big movies, even though for the viewer, it makes much more sense for us to get more Christmassy feels movies closer to Christmas. Right. Right. Um, so I have to think as a viewer, not as an advertiser, when would I watch this movie? Right. Um, it is not Christmassy enough for me. No. So I think it's a, I mean, I've said this about so many mm -hmm. movies so far, but clearly I'm just dumping all my movies into November because I think this is a November movie. Yeah. I think it's a pre-Thanksgiving November movie. I feel like this would have been an excellent movie for that like Thanksgiving lineup week because it's still good. We get Rachel Boston, who is a joy to watch on mm -hmm. screen, but you're right. It's just, it doesn't have enough Christmas for me. Mm-hmm. But I, I understand that it's really about what they're going to sell to me. I would play it as the 6 p.m. movie before a premiere at 8 p.m. on a Sunday. And, and you know what? You Next know? year they probably will. Yeah. Because that's, um, what, that's they what they do. <laughs> so I think that's the ideal time to catch this one again is maybe on like a November 10th mm -hmm. um, at 6 p.m. before whatever thing you're really going to hunker down and watch at 8 o'clock. Yeah. And I will say, having watched this movie twice, it's not a movie I would shy away from watching again. Because I did, I didn't mind watching it. Um, it's not one where I felt distracted or called to do other things. So again, I think it, I think it holds its own in in a in a November timeline. But it is not, it's not a December movie because December is it's Christmas time, and this is not enough. I think what they need to do if they're not going to sell me anything is just have their like last weekend premieres be about Christmas itself, like rather than leading up to Christmas. Show mm -hmm. me Christmas. Well, and I think they're really struggling and we could talk more about this in wrap ups at the end of the year and, and looking back at this whole season of movies, but there's not enough Christmas in any of these movies because they've taken so much of Christmas. They've, they've whittled Christmas down to markets and town festivals. Mm -hmm. Like that's really what it is. We're not even getting Christmas Day. We're actually getting events leading up to Christmas that result in love. Right. And so where are the elves? Where are Santa Claus? Where are... 
um, you know, all of these sort the of classic, magical elements the of classic Christmas. classic Hallmark Christmas movies that got me into this genre. And I think that's what makes them November movies for me. Mm-hmm. It's about it's about romance, but it's not really about Christmas yeah. for any of them. And so when I'm watching a movie in December, when, like this week, think about how we're handling our Christmas movie watching schedule. Mm-hmm. We are saving Home Alone and Love Actually and Borrowed Hearts and the 12 Dates of Christmas and um, even that stupid Snow Globe movie that we like. Like those ones that are more Christmassy, we are saving for this week Mm -hmm. so that we're getting our full dose of Christmas. Because they're good. Because they actually are Christmas. Elf. Yeah. Like all of those classics is what we're watching. And so that's why I'm dumping all of these movies in November is because... That's where they go. And maybe Hallmark knows it can't compete with those classics. Right. It's not its game. That's not the game it's playing. I still think the best suggestion that you've had all season is give us a movie that like builds. So like we have a movie that premieres in October or early November. And then the person who gets dumped or broken up with the next like a couple (laughs) weeks from there, we then watch their story so that it culminates with these three stories all having their Christmas day together. Yeah. Like that would be a really cool marketing de- like device. Mm-hmm. You could still use the same actors and cast, which you're already doing anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think it would get like, it would take care of the viewer. Like right. we, cause like we are clearly invested in these. Yeah. So that's yeah. my thought. All right. Well, one more plug for the snarkies, which are coming up January 1st, 2021. So get your votes in now. Voting's going to close um, like the probably the 27th, 28th, 28th, somewhere in there. So um, so we can film the episode. <laughs> exactly. And so uh, visit our website, hallmarksnark.com, and you'll see the snarkies there. It'll take you to your poll. We'd love to hear from you. If that's not your thing, you can always email us at hallmarksnarkpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from mm-hmm. our listeners. And as always, thank you for listening. We yeah. have had such a fun season. We've got one more to do after this yeah oh man yeah i know it's coming to a close but no worries hallmark keeps us fully stocked on on premieres all year long so we'll keep you posted yeah we'll keep you posted (laughs) on what's coming next from us as we wrap up this christmas season and look forward to the new year in 2021 so for today i've been tara i've been austin merry christmas and happy holidays 